Listeners, welcome back to another episode of 94 by 50 Basketball. Two games into the NBA Finals, tied 1-1, Boston and Golden State. Uh, Boston took game one after a huge fourth quarter comeback. Golden State with a dominant rebound in game two. Um, Max, let's bring you in, man. How are you doing after two games? What are your thoughts on the finals? Yeah, hey. Hello, MK. Hello, listeners. Uh, glad to be back. Glad to be, have reached the mountaintop. I've reached the finals. And, you know, it's been an on and off playoffs, I'd say. I think that's kind of the reaction around NBA and especially NBA Twitter. Uh, but these finals are shaping up to be a really, really great series. A really physical one, a really fun one. Um, and, to have it be 1-1 going back to Boston, it's it's very exciting. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Agreed, agreed. I think we're in store for a long series. Uh, before we get into breaking down the finals, though, let's get into some, uh, some college news and notes. So um, first we can talk about Illinois. We got some, some more transfer news. Uh, Max, you want to give us a rundown of, of who will be in champagne this coming season yeah um very it's been a crazy off season as we kind of detailed a bit in um you know the last couple podcasts of this is the off season but it feels like anything but if we're you know starting out our nba finals episode uh with a good chunk of college information but um yeah the big news is that uh baylor bears um forward Matthew Meyer has signed with uh Illinois so that is now goes along with Terrence Shannon Jr uh as well as former Baylor player Dane Danger who came uh last semester actually and has been practicing with the team but hasn't played with Illinois yet and then that goes along with our great uh freshman class that I've touched on so a lot of incoming um talent uh, a lot of excitement around it um as and there was reason to bring in this much because illinois lost so much including since we've last talked uh austin hutcherson who you know was kind of rumored to be this incredible athlete and showed some nice sparks of uh when he was healthier earlier this year but just could not shake the injury bug um, and then, you know, old reliable Jacob Grandison, uh, one of my favorite players, uh, was so valuable to this team the last couple of years in our runs. And, you know, we missed him dearly in the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, I, he's 24. He's older. I'm even surprised he's coming back to college. Uh, he hasn't decided where he's going to go yet, but uh, does not sound like it will be. Uh, returning to Illinois, and then also uh, Brandon Pajimski, the Wisconsin boy, uh, is on his way to Santa Clara to play. Uh, I think, again, had some moments as a freshman. I I was excited to see where he was going to go, and I will be following him closely, but I think looked at the, the incoming freshman and these transfers and decided that he'd probably be better suited elsewhere. So he uses free transfer. So and get into a little bit more, but um, yeah, very exciting news, very exciting time for uh, all the college basketball. And glad Illinois is really keeping up with everything. 
Yeah, the uh, I mean, I feel like Terrence Shannon Jr. was kind of on the radar, but but for me at least, maybe maybe Mayer kind of came out of nowhere. He was, I think, a true junior on uh, on Baylor's championship team uh, two years ago, and I remember seeing him um, on some draft boards as a potential second rounder, given his ability to ball handle, kind of as a point forward and his versatility uh, six, nine, 200. Um, but he, instead he, he makes the use of that COVID exception year, uh, to do a fifth year senior, um, season in, in Illinois. Um, and he'll really help also giving Illinois some size with the loss of Grandison, with the loss of Kofi. Um, so you guys are in, you know, you reloaded in no time. It seemed to be in, in tremendous shape. Yeah. Pretty incredible, honestly, a real testament to Underwood and then this coaching staff. You know, he had to replace all three of his assistants last year and um, has been able to do it and arguably have brought in a better class and obviously this monster transfer class already. Um, you know, my it's yeah, he, he you know, he as a junior was an integral part of that championship team as a senior. Uh, you know, was looking to kind of uh, break out uh, or was expected to and didn't really have the consistency that he'd like. Uh, started out the season kind of rough. And so uh, I think a fresh start is good for him and Baylor. And I think that he, I mean, he's going to be such a, you know, to bring someone who already has a championship onto your team, one that shows, you know, belief in this, this program and where it can go. And also it, for all the players on the roster to be able to lean on that and, you know, kind of pick the brain of someone who's, who's been to where everyone's trying to go, where Illinois has never been before. It's, it's incredible. And, and then something that I'm really excited about when you look at our starting lineup, which right now I'll project is going to be Sky Clark, Terrence Hannon Jr., RJ Melendez, Matthew Meyer, and it's going to be either Dane Danger or, um, Coleman Hawkins but last year we started about generally three players under six foot three and this year you know across the board we are going to be so much bigger and it's you know Underwood's talked about this vision of you know playing honestly like Houston where you just have a bunch of very long large guards you essentially have a point guard uh center and three just wings that are all like between six, five and six, eight. And to have that this year is just, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be a completely different style of basketball after being able to lean on Kofi Coburn, the all American down low. Um, but to replace all of that, which is tough and, you know, some Illini's fan favorites and real, you know, especially with Trent and DeMonte, they'd been there so long to, it really does feel like a new start with a new team, but they, you know, they have enough that is returning and RJ Melendez, I expect to make a massive jump, but to bring in these new players, it's just uh, really exciting times. And, you know, they might not be done yet uh, in this transfer quarter. So uh, it's been a blast as a fan and I got to love the trajectory of where this team could go. Absolutely. Super excited for you guys uh, as a program. Um, I think it'll be a, a roster with a completely different look and some turnover with, with some of your, uh, veteran players gone with Kofi gone that have been the face of the team for the last couple of years. 
um, but certainly have the the capability to challenge for the Big Ten. Um, so you yeah. you were mentioning uh, how how small Illinois was last year, at least in the backcourt, and that's kind of what it looks like the Badgers could be with with some of their transfers. Um, so they have uh, Max Klesmit, who's a shooting guard from Wofford, uh, originally from Wisconsin. Um, 6'3", 190, um, averaged 14, almost 15 points, uh, three rebounds, two assists um, at Wofford last year. And then Kamari McGee, who's coming from Green Bay, uh, also played his high school ball in Wisconsin, um, averaged uh, 11 and a half points as a freshman, but, but really had a strong finish to the season with about 17 points a game. So I, I see um, probably at least one of those guys starting with, with Chucky Hepburn in the backcourt. And then it'll, it'll be two of the, two of the three of, of them, Max Klesmit, Kamari McGee, and, and probably Jordan Davis, uh, starting with Chucky Hepburn and then, and then Wall and Crowell in the front court. Um, the Badgers will be a bit of a new look too. Davison's gone. It seems like he was there forever. Johnny Davis is obviously gone. Um, we have Wall and, and Crowell and Hepburn coming back as the big contributors, but, um, but those guys gonna, are going to have to take jumps and it, it remains to be seen who the sort of go-to score will be that, that Johnny Davis was last year. I'm not, I'm not sure that we have that. I think Crowell will have to take a big jump, um, be more consistent than he was as a sophomore with, uh, with Ben Carlson transferring out to, I think, Chris Hodges, who's um, played his, played high school in Chicago and redshirted last year, is going to have to um, take some responsibility and get some minutes. So nice to get these transfers in. Certainly guys who proved that they could compete at the college level and put up numbers at the college level, uh, albeit in, in some inferior conferences. Yeah, I, I still do like these transfers that would come in. You know, you can see where – they, you know, Wisconsin kind of circled that they need help in the, the garden wing positions. And they brought in some solid players who not only, yeah, are proven at the college level, but are also Wisconsin boys. I always love to see that to mm -hmm. get the, you know, in-state talent to bring them back. They know what Wisconsin's all about. They see the consistency. And yeah, it's an interesting year for Wisconsin. It's, a, you know, but I, I do think that they're going to be top half in the Big Ten again and I, you know, Wall's one of my favorite players in the big, and I think he could have a real, real monster year because he, you know, he fits in that like Decker, Ethan Happ kind of mold where eventually when you can really lean on him and with the offense that the Badgers play with the swing, you know, you play in every position. And so he, he was, he's been a matchup nightmare for the Illini for a long time. And, you know, we might have a little bit more to throw at him next year as opposed to 6-3 DeMonte Williams and 6-5 Grandison. But it's still, you know, he's such a talented player. He's he's a veteran in the league now. I'm really excited to see him. Chucky Hepburn coming off an incredible freshman season. You know, a lot of the freshmen that, you know, we – or a lot of the talk about the freshman guards that um, Illinois has and – because it seems like they're just going to be the two freshmen, Jaden Epps and Sky Clark, are just going to be given keys to the offense. And a lot of the talk around that has pointed out Chucky Hepburn from Wisconsin, you know, 
as the example of how it can be done. You know, you ride with them to the beginning of the year, but by the end of the year, they're essentially a sophomore. They've put in so much time and experience. And Chucky hits some massive shots for you guys down the stretch and, was, you know, one of your best players. And then I think you're right about Crawl. I think there's nothing better, you know, there's no better way to learn than to go through it. And the Big Ten, especially last year, was just a gauntlet when it comes to big men. And there'll still be some big ones this year with Dickinson and Edie, but for sure. you know, there's no way to really understand like how much better you need to be and kind of where you are at and give you that motivation and inspiration to get back in the gym all summer. So I'm looking for him to take a sophomore lead for sure. And as much as, you know, we've talked about guard, you know, hot seat, whatever else, he's proven that he can coach at this very high level and, and put together teams that compete no matter what. It's, it's just impressive. Let's, uh, let's really quick talk about uh, uh, soon-to-be former Badgers, little uh, commercial cameo. Uh, not, only, not only did he do a commercial, he did a commercial for uh, your and your brother Ian's uh, high school employer, T-Bell. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty yeah. cool to see. Uh, our boy Johnny getting on a T-Bell commercial. Pretty yeah, I mean... So exciting, uh, really shows kind of how much belief that I'd say, you know, this these companies and kind of basketball fans and probably executives have, you know, to be able to highlight him as one of these massive players. Um, it's so cool to see. Um, yeah, I, it, I freaked out when I first saw that commercial and texted you right away. Yeah. Uh, very dope. Yeah, and it's cool that he's like, I mean, yeah, he's recognizable. He's an All-American. Uh, but it's not like, I don't know. To me, it's still different than like Chet Holmgren or Paolo Benchero getting like a commercial. Getting yeah, it. exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, a, yeah, most people who don't really follow college basketball or even follow it only a little bit, they might not know who he is. And so For sure. it's kind of this sweet spot where, it's, yeah, but I, I, I don't know. It's, it's a really, it's a cool situation. Um, the last thing I wanted to just mention, shout out on Illinois' end, is that uh, Ty Rogers is playing for the U18. He's an incoming freshman. He's going to be really good. He's playing for the U18 um, uh, USA team down at the uh, America's Championship. And that's pretty dope to have another uh, Illini representing the American team. And he's getting the start. And so just had to say that that's, it's, it's pretty crazy what just the level of talent that's starting to come into Champaign. It's for sure. Cool. Ty, we're rooting for you. If you're listening, uh, I'm sure you are. And, uh, and all, and all Johnny serious. Davis, we're rooting for yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Johnny, Johnny played on the, I think U19 team last summer and that did him yep. a world of good. So hopefully Ty yeah, has he's a, quoted a as saying that, that that was a big, uh, part in getting him to where he needed to be for this breakout year to get him that confidence to play with that level of players and to show he can do it. So hopefully it, uh, you know, rubs off on Ty Rogers the same way. Yeah. Um, all right, listeners, let's, uh, let's transition to, to breaking down the finals. So as we, as we outlined at the start of the episode, uh, series is tied one, one, um, going back to Boston. Um, Max, if you're, who, are, who do you think is in a better position right now? Uh, would you rather be Boston uh, 
sort of uh, reclaiming home court and taking a game on the road, or would you rather be the Warriors coming off a, a blowout win? Um, honestly, I think just from the start of this, and I, I'd rather be the Celtics just because I think there's, you're able to play a little bit more loose with it. Um, it's not that, like, the Warriors are super favored or anything in this series. Like, they haven't been from the jump, but they've just been there. The Celtics are hungrier. You know, it, it's more of a story of the Warriors losing it than the Celtics winning it, I think, at a certain point. Yeah. Um, and to steal one on the road is just so massive. And Celtics Garden and TD Garden, it's like it's known as just a monster place to play. And so tied 1-1, going back, yeah, they they did get crushed last game. And I think you got to feel good if you're Golden State about that. And we can dive into that a little bit more. Yeah. But I think personally, you know, they, they seemed, the Celtics at least seemed pretty content with just, you know, well, hey, we got one on the road. Now y'all have to try and get one in Boston. So I'd go Celtics. What about you? Yeah, I think I go Celtics. If, you know, obviously if, if you're going to be tied one, one, you probably, you know, would want to have the momentum and have one game two coming home rather than winning the first game and then getting blown out. Um, But as the Celtics being to me, they're the underdog in this series. Uh, I think if you would have asked them beforehand, would they take a split in Golden State? They would have said absolutely yes. I do think um, some some keys for the Celtics are going to be getting production from Derek White off the bench, especially when the Warriors go small. Uh, it kind of nullifies Al Horford and Robert Williams to an extent when they play, you know, the new version of the death lineup with with Draymond or with Otto Porter or even Wiggins at the five. Um, for we saw Horford do well in game one because he made a bunch of threes, but he didn't do anything uh, in the post in game two. Um, only took four field goals, played 27 minutes. Robert Williams only had one shot attempt, uh, two rebounds, only played 14 minutes. So the Warriors want to go small. They want to make the Celtics guards beat them. And, uh, take the take the game or take the ball out of Horford and, and Williams's hands. And so I think Derek White's going to be key. Peyton Pritchard could be key. Grant Williams, some of these smaller guys that the Celtics have coming off the bench. Yeah, I mean, I think that's just going to be the chess match is who can kind of impose the, the style they want to play yeah. on the other team and for how many games they can get away with it, you know? I mean, because that's a major adjustment that the Celtics – I mean, the Warriors made on Horford 26, the first game to two, you know, a lot of it had to do with the first game. Uh, Golden State was kind of keen on other players. And so Al was getting wide open threes at first, which he was burying. And then once that opened up for him and they had to pressure out, then he was able to cut fly to the basket, hit some floaters, make that happen. Um, they, you know, they keyed into him. And if you're looking at the box score, you know, you got Al Horford, like you said, with two, Robert Williams with two, also Marcus Smart with two, yeah. two rebounds, five assists, one for six. Brown had 17, but the shooting really wasn't there, five for 17. I do look at, uh, like you're saying, I really agree. I think Grant Williams is 
uh, and Derek White are going to be key this series because Tice can't really keep up. He's going to get exposed and pick and roll. Same with Robert Williams and Horford. I expect to bounce back and have, you know, play a little bit better. Maybe I think he got caught a little bit too much on the three point line, you know, yeah. uh, I think he can find ways to get into the key more and be a distributor at first. You know, I look at that one assist and that's pretty low for how talented of a playmaker he is at yep. his size. Um, but yeah, I mean, great adjustments from Golden State. I, and I agree. I think they're going to go small and that's what they want to do. They're fine with, you know, Looney and uh, Draymond being their bigs. And especially when um, I do want to highlight Otto Porter made some great uh, rebounds and some great shots. It's it's yeah, they're able to play more into exactly how Golden State wants to play and really set their tempo. Um, who are you looking for on the Warriors though? Because I know there's some players like Clay really hasn't had a big game in this series yet. You know, only um, 11 last game on one for eight, shooting from three, four for 19 from the field. Uh, Poole had 17 and made a couple at the end there, but hasn't really done you know, hasn't been his explosive self. So what are some things you're looking at for the Warriors to build upon after this win? Yeah, good question. Uh, so actually Gary Payton coming back to me is big. He's another guard uh, from that, that nasty elbow injury. Him coming back is big because he can defend. I mean, he only had, uh, he took three shots in game two. He made all of them, um, made a three, but but played 25 minutes, the most of any warrior off the bench. Um, and he can, he can guard, he could guard Brown, guard Tatum, guard Marcus Smart, um, guard Derek White, uh, who, who the Celtics will be leaning on to, to give them that scoring punch, especially if, if Horford's not, not doing a ton. Um, yeah. And then, I mean, you're right. You know, the, it's not like, um, the the Warriors necessarily had had an incredible shooting performance in uh, in Game Two. Steph did his thing, but but Clay's struggling a little bit. Shot shot twenty one percent. Wiggins thirty three percent. It seems like it was really the Warriors' defense that that locked down, and and Gary Payton was was key to that. And Draymond's Draymond's still a great defender too in his own right. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Um, because I was gonna key in on the Celtics had 18 turnovers last game. Yeah, and they did at points look a little rushed. You know, Golden State is such a scary team offensively, and there's such immense respect for them, you know, that they can go on these runs and Boston at times with a lot of these other teams, and even in game one, you know, they're able to just just keep chipping away, keep chipping away. And I thought a couple times Boston really looked a little sped up. And I know that exactly. Um, it's really awesome to have Gary Payton Jr. back after that unfortunate injury. Um, I mean, he got a standing ovation when he came in. And then Draymond Green, love him, hate him, whatever. He sh probably should have been ejected, in my opinion, but he wasn't. And what I will say is I think, you know, he's that energizer bunny and he's, you know, he's kind of that junkyard dog who wants to muck the game up. And that's exactly what he did. He For was sure. talking trash to every single person you know on the Celtics team on the floor off the floor on the bench like 
he had words for everybody and not only words, but he was putting his hands on them before, not even in a foul way, but he was just the irritant that he, you know, is and can be. And that really sets the tone for any, any bit of like mental energy that the Celtics are putting into like dealing with Draymond and his like antics is them taking that percentage away of their like mental space towards winning the game, you know? And so as much as like, he's, it's frustrating or he's annoying or all this stuff, he's, he makes such an impact with his plays and with how he plays. So I'm, I'm really interested to see how kind of the, the Celtics uh, handle that, whether they lean into that with him and really just try and, you know, step up that or, bring it down or, you know, or just try and ignore it. Like they really have to figure out how they're going to handle him. Um, but yeah, Warriors defensively were um, very impressive last game. And I, I was, uh, it was, yeah, it was good to see. And I think Boston needs to settle down a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Especially like with Tatum. I mean, he had 28, but he's like one of these players who he can really just like dictate the entire game and the speed. And I look at game one, he had 13 assists because he was doing that, you know, his shot wasn't there as much, but he found a way to impact and he took his time and he got good shots. Three assists this game, four turnovers. It went a little different. Yeah. I want to talk quickly about Marcus smart too, uh, for a couple of reasons. First, I think he could, he kind of has that like, personality that tenacity that Draymond has that could kind of be uh Boston's antidote to Draymond and and feed off the crowd keep keep momentum going for Boston at home um but the second thing is you made the point about about Boston's turnovers and Marcus Smart is to me he's sort of a hybrid point guard shooting guard he he earns his paycheck playing defense and with his basketball IQ to me he's not He's not a true point guard. Um, and, you know, they've Boston has had Kyrie running the offense in the past. They've, they've had Kemba running offense in the past. Isaiah Thomas. Um, we know all of those, I guess, relationships ended, <laughs> ended badly between Boston and those point guards. But, but Marcus Smart, this is his first real playoffs being the dominant uh, ball handler for Boston. And last or game two, five assists, five turnovers. Um, to me, I don't, I don't know if, I think Boston's going to have to to compensate for where Marcus Smart lacks in, in terms of being like a, a distributor in the way that, that Draymond can be from the center position or that, that Steph can be. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I think that's a great point. I think, I think Marcus Smart will, you know, really challenge himself, look at the box score, five assists, five turnovers, and not let that happen again. But then I think something that's been so special about Boston and has let, you know, Smart get away with completely being the point guard is that they're so good at distributing. They keep that ball moving very quickly. Everyone can go get their shot. Um, and so we'll, I'm definitely looking to see that. And then, and part of it was, and, Smart has done this before is, you know, he'll force it. He'll get into the, oh, we're down mode. We got to force it. We got to get out in transition. And that's where you see him get exposed as he is not the true point guard. He cannot run the floor 
as much as he can make very solid plays and he can make the right plays in the half court offense Good or point. when the game slowed down a bit. Yeah. But when he's running the floor and trying to, you know, start the break, that's where you're going to get into a little bit more realize like, Oh, you're not really the point guard, you know? Um, but yeah, the, one of the last things I, I guess I would just say to keep looking at is something that I thought was so key this last game and something that's been kind of the story with the Celtics is that, they've had so many come from behind wins um, in the three series in the East. They, you could never, like you had to put this team away unless you were up by 30, there was a chance that the Celtics would chip and claw their way back into the game. Like this team is one where defensively they can get so locked in, you know, that they were the best defensive team after the all-star break in the entire league. And on offense, there's such belief in each other. And Tatum and Smart, uh, Tatum and Brown can just go on these heaters where they can make incredible shots and not miss. And they have enough weapons around them that if you key in on them too much, you're giving up open threes. And they have enough players who can hit those too. And what I was so impressed with is obviously, you know, the Warriors can score in bunches as well. But the, the, the moment last game was where the Warriors were up by a decent amount and then Boston cut it to six late in the third. And then Warriors just stepped on their net. Yeah. And just did not let go. And that was so impressive to me because that was that moment where in so many of the series in the East, you know, that's when Boston would then suddenly be in the game and they would keep going and eventually Boston would be up 10, you know? and and it's how the Warriors lost the first game. They learned that lesson. And it was nice to see that lesson being kind of put into action um, by really just uh, closing the door and making sure it was deadbolt and making sure it was reinforced and that there was another door behind it. Because these Celtics will find a way if you give them a hit. Oh, you're right. You're right. They did that against the Bucks. They did that against the Heat, two teams who, to me, have championship pedigree i mean they they're the last two representatives of, of the eastern conference in the finals uh and this this relatively inexperienced uh celtics team um with a first year coach yeah found a way to to outmaneuver the the bucks and heat uh and the warriors in game one um and and the warriors responded in a in a big way in game two um Anything else you wanna you wanna cover on, on the finals before we get to some some trivia to close it out here? Um, not a ton. I mean, really, I'm just so thankful you've got you know. I'm I'm really hoping Clay kind of heats up a little bit just for his sake. I know it's his first year back, and it's just great to see him playing basketball in general. But it would be fun to have him have a game. Um, yeah. you know, I'm looking for Wiggins to kind of break out in a game as well. Um, Tatum and Brown, they've been working in smart and Orford, you know, this core has been working so hard to get to this moment that one is just very exciting to see them there. And two, I, you know, again, just like the same thing, they will just never go away. They believe, and they have so much confidence in their abilities and each other that I, I really think we are in for a really great, uh, series, um, and uh, thankful for that. It's, you know, obviously Golden State's been here, so that's not super exciting. And I'm not really a fan fan of either team, but I'm 
I can really appreciate the high level of basketball. And I, and I think these two teams are the teams that should be here um, at this point. Agreed. Well put. Uh, all right, listeners, we'll, uh, we'll take a quick break here and then, then transition over to some, Ooh, well, some trivia. Who do you got? Ooh, good. It's a big question. Uh, I like the Warriors. I said Warriors and six at this, at the start. And I will stick with that. I'm going to stick with the Warriors as well, but I'm going to give them an extra game to do it. I think, okay. I think we're going all the way to seven. I think we're going back and yeah, I mean, last we literally didn't touch on Curry at all. No. And he's playing like a superstar. He's going to need to to do this. Uh, he's the one like off consistently, you know, person on offense who just has to bring it every single game. And I think he will. So here we go. We'll see. All right. Let's uh, no. Well said. Let's uh, let's run it with some trivia. Um, we got six minutes left in our Zoom because Zoom is uh, putting uh, unlimited timing behind a paywall. You might have to go hoop potentially tonight. So we'll, we'll do this quick. We'll give the listeners some trivia and then we'll, uh, we'll get out of here. So I can start. I know you said my questions were a little too easy last time. I might've oh, gotten boy. a little soft on you. Um, oh, so I hope, I hope I've upped my game this time, um, but I'm sticking with the final theme uh, for obvious reasons. So. All right, question number one, and let me know if you need me to reread it. Uh, so since 2000, so the turn of the century, the, the Lakers, Spurs, and Warriors account for uh, 19 out of 23 of Western Conference uh, representatives in the finals. So of the four teams left uh, that aren't the Lakers, Spurs, or Warriors, uh, one was last year's Phoenix team, obviously. Uh, can you tell me what the other three have in common? Lakers, Spurs, Warriors. What do the other three have in common? Yeah, yeah. So, so Laker, one of them is. Yeah. Well, so I think you got it. Mavericks. Well, yep. I'm trying to think of the teams of in. So it's the Mavericks. Yep. The Thunder. Yep. Who else was now? Okay, so here we go. I'm trying to think of who else was it. Who? What's the? And then so, what's the link between the Mavericks and the Thunder? And we have this time limit. Um, Oi. Um, I'm just going to guess quickly because I don't, I don't know. Um, I'm going to guess the uh, division. So um, you had the Mavericks and Thunder, correct? So it was the, it was the Mavericks twice. Uh, so they played the they played they were in the finals in two thousand six and two thousand eleven, uh, and then the Thunder were in the finals in two thousand twelve. What those uh, three uh, finals have in common is is they were all against the Heat. 
nice. Okay, that's a good yeah. one. That's a yeah. tough one. All right. Question number two. So both Steve Kerr and Ime Udoka, who are this year's coaches in the finals, are former assistants and players uh, for Greg Popovich. Uh, Popovich won his most recent of his five NBA titles in 2014 against the Heat. Uh, can you tell me when he won his first NBA title and who the opponent was? Who Pop when Popovich won his first one? Yep. Cool. I think the opponent was the Lakers. Well, no, think about that because he would have been in the West. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, man, MK. I'm just going to say, I don't know, just to save time. I really don't. <laughs> so his first NBA Finals was against the number eight seed in 1999, uh, New York Knicks. Wow. Yep. Like, yeah, Lakers. Um, yeah. Damn. Okay, these are harder. <laughs> this one, this one. Listeners, uh, don't judge me for saying the Lakers, though. That was a uh, brain fart. Um, so 17 franchises have appeared in multiple NBA finals. Uh, for what it's worth, they're all current franchises. So same name, same city. Um, those haven't changed. Um, so for example, like I'm not considering the Thunder. The, the Thunder is not one of the 17 because, sure. um, for example, so they're, yeah, they're all active franchises. Um, only one franchise that is never has never lost that has appeared in multiple finals. Can you name that franchise? The Bulls, baby. There you go. Yep. Okay. Six, thank God. Six I got and one. Six and thank God I got that one. Yeah. All right, listeners. So I got one. Uh, not very happy with that, um, especially the one. I'm a little embarrassed. But hey, what are you going to do? Can MK beat one? Uh, so my first question, I'm on finals theme. So my first one is about the Celtics. Now, if the Celtics are able to win this year's championship, how? what is the number of titles that they would now have? 15, 21, 18, or 20? What number title would this be for the Boston Celtics? 15, 21, 18 or 20? I think 15 is low uh, because Bill Russell had like 11 by himself. And then there are obviously the Bird, McHale, Parrish, Dennis Johnson years where they won some 15, 18, 20, or 21. And then the KG. Ray Allen, Paul Pierce won a title. I'm going to go 18. Ooh, well done. All right. So we're tied already. Now, uh, we're going to go back in time with the Warriors, uh, the 2015-2016 okay. Warriors. You know, not, argue, not only arguably the best team ever in the NBA, but also one of the best teams in sports, period. They broke all types of records. So I'm going to list four records. They broke three of these. 
So okay. which one of these did they fail to achieve? Okay. Okay. Uh, the first record is the longest winning streak in NBA history. Second one is most consecutive home wins in NBA history. Best start to a season in the history of American sports in general. And the last one is no consecutive losses in the entire season. So which one of these did they fail to achieve? Longest winning streak in NBA history, most consecutive home wins in NBA history, best start to a season, or no consecutive losses in the entire season? Um, I'm going to say, because I actually think they might have lost a couple at the start of the season and then just went on a crazy run. I'm going to say they did not achieve best start to the season ever. Mm, unfortunately, they did, actually. They won, I believe it was 21 straight start to season. Wow. Okay. Yeah, they won. They won 28 straight at one point during the season, but the Los Angeles Lakers of 71 to 72 have the record. They won 33 straight games between November of 71 and January of 72. Damn. Okay. That was a good question. All right. So here, this one is for all the Marvels, and of course, we will go with the Badgers. Hey. Now, who? Is the highest rated recruit out of high school in Wisconsin Badger basketball history. Is it Sam Decker, Brian Butch, Orlando Tucker, or Devin Harris? Um, damn, I just or saw them. I all just... the Starbucks. <laughs> uh, I just saw this too because I was looking at the Wisconsin 24-7 sports basketball recruiting page uh, to see those transfers and it shows the all-time recruiting numbers or recruiting ratings um, it's, not, it's not Tucker Harris I know it's between Decker and Butch I think it is actually Butch is that that's my answer? answer that's my answer well done. You won the first coffee of the season. Let's Brian go. Butch, number 10 overall in the nation. To put that in perspective, Illinois' best overall was D. Brown, who I believe was in that late 20s. Shout out, D. Number one in okay, our hearts. Actually, though. that's not true. I guess there's like Liberty, who was like number two, but it was before the anyway. Hard to say. Devin Harris, I couldn't find a specific ranking on. Lena Tucker either. Sam Decker was, I believe, the second highest, followed by Crabinaw. Uh, Sounds right. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Brian, but number 10, fourth yeah. 10 of that year. Yeah. Butch, a uh, little bit underwhelming in college, but great guy, though. Does, yeah. does his thing for Big Ten Network announcing those. So, yep. You're doing all, all right, right, Brian. Well, two out of three. Well done. Thank you. Yeah, we'll have to uh, keep the coffee log uh, or the trivia log for coffee uh, throughout uh, our podcast tenure. And listeners, if you want to play along, you know, one of you could answer my questions. Uh, one of your friends could answer MKs and 
Get your get your own coffee war going. Exactly. The way. That's exactly. what it's all about, listeners. Yep. Friendly competition. Um, yep. Just but, to, um, to spice things up a little bit. It, it never hurts. But yeah, uh, good uh, little recap. We got a little bit of the college. We got the finals going. Um, enjoy the rest of the finals, everybody. Uh, we'll you know we'll do a, a roundup to end the year, but. Uh, Really just sitting it after this, we're not going to have basketball for quite a while. So uh, hopefully we have as many games as possible. Hopefully we've got five left. Yeah. Yeah. Stay safe, listeners. Be well and uh, enjoy the hoops. Yep.